Your film is now ready to be shown. Good morning. I'm Justin Hendricks, editor of Tech Policy Press, a nonprofit media venture intended to provoke new ideas, debate, and discussion at the intersection of technology and democracy. When Sam Altman, the CEO of OpenAI, introduced himself before the Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Privacy, Technology, and the Law last May, this is how he described the company's governance. OpenAI was founded on the belief that artificial intelligence has the potential to improve nearly every aspect of our lives, but also that it creates serious risks we have to work together to manage. We're here because people love this technology. We think it can be a printing press moment. We have to work together to make it so. OpenAI is an unusual company, and we set it up that way because AI is an unusual technology. We are governed by a nonprofit, and our activities are driven by our mission and our charter, which commit us to working to ensure that the broad distribution of the benefits of AI and to maximizing the safety of AI systems. But the recent high-profile corporate governance issues within OpenAI, including the dismissal and subsequent reinstatement of Altman as CEO, have spurred many to question whether the company's unique structure is appropriate and whether it can remain true to its nonprofit mission, given its massive for-profit incentives. For instance, just this week, The Intercept reported that OpenAI, quote, quietly deleted language expressly prohibiting the use of its technology for military purposes from its usage policy. And the European Union said that Microsoft's multi-billion dollar investment in OpenAI could trigger a merger investigation. Today's guest is the author of a letter addressed to the California Attorney General that raises significant concerns about OpenAI's 501c3 nonprofit status. The letter questions whether OpenAI has deviated from its nonprofit purposes, alleging that it may be acting under the control of its for-profit subsidiary, and it raises broader issues about the future of AI and how this powerful technology will be governed. I am Robert Weissman, President of Public Citizen. What does Public Citizen get up to for any of my listeners who aren't aware of it? We do a lot of stuff. We focus on consumer protection, advancing democracy, among many other, sh- many other issues. We do stuff ranging from working on global trade deals to working for Medicare for All, trying to protect the democracy, which we do with you from time to time. And we're doing a lot on big tech. Tell me a little bit more about your interests around tech and tech policy. The thing that connects the many different things we work on is a concern about too much corporate power and how concentrated corporate power adversely affects society in many different dimensions. Big tech companies now are the biggest companies we've got. They're exerting huge amounts of influence over us in many dimensions, including even what we think. And so we've been very focused on them for the last eight or 10 years. And with the increasing focus of these companies on artificial intelligence, we've turned our focus to that issue as well. And that's what led you on January 9th to send a letter to the California Attorney General, which regards a certain firm, OpenAI, that we've discussed on this podcast many times, of course. And I suppose this was prompted by what you call sort of recent events, the drama over Sam Altman and whether he would remain CEO of the company. Yeah, there's a lot we don't know about that still, despite all the coverage. A lot of ways to look at it, but I think one way to look at it that is true along with others is that there was a fight inside the enterprise of OpenAI, which is a nonprofit 
that exerts a controlling over influence, supposedly, over a for-profit. There was a fight over this collective enterprise of open AI, and for-profit forces defeated the nonprofit forces. That when the board of OpenAI said they were firing Sam Altman, that was the nonprofit board acting. But the for-profit forces, including the major investor of Microsoft, the employees who were trying to cash in on stock options, and others overturned that decision effectively and forced off the board, the nonprofit board, the people who had previously voted to fire Sam Altman. That turns out to be a problem because nonprofits aren't allowed to be for-profit enterprises. They have to serve a nonprofit purpose. And if they're going to primarily pursue profit, then they need to forfeit the nonprofit designation and act as for-profit businesses. And we've asked the California Attorney General to look at what happened, look at the structure of this collective enterprise, and see if, in fact, OpenAI should be stripped of its nonprofit status and treated as a for-profit corporation. So ultimately, this is about whether the charitable purpose of the nonprofit can exist alongside essentially the commercial interests uh, that OpenAI is now pursuing uh, in conjunction with Microsoft. And struck by the fact that uh, this week as well, we know that the European Union has announced that it's going to look into competition-related issues with regard to OpenAI's relationship to Microsoft. I think I saw the inklings of something happening in the UK as well. To what extent is this stitch up with Microsoft uh, part of your thinking here? How, how does that sort of play into this? Well, the open AI structure is very unusual. This idea that you'd have a nonprofit that has a controlling interest over a for-profit. And then what makes that more complicated is that for-profit has outside investors. And then this major investor slash partnership with one of the biggest corporations in the world, Microsoft. It's just very unusual. Theoretically, the nonprofit could pursue its nonprofit purpose with that status. Nonprofits are allowed to have for-profit businesses. For example, a museum might have a profit-seeking gift shop. That's fine. But the for-profit purpose can't overwhelm the nonprofit purpose. And that's what seems to be happening here. The investigations in Europe about whether there's basically been a merger between Microsoft and OpenAI treats OpenAI as a for-profit business because obviously Microsoft can't have an acquisition of a nonprofit. So that suggests that the regulators in Europe are coming to the view that the, that the nonprofit is just a pretend patina on top of the real operation of OpenAI, which is the for-profit business. What is the valuation of the company, I think, is now approaching some hundred billion dollars. How does that sort of play into any calculation about the governance and the way that it operates? It's hard to say if the valuation itself affects that, although it, it becomes hard to imagine how a tiny little nonprofit is controlling a hundred billion dollar company. Well, where this does come into play very directly is if OpenAI is stripped of its nonprofit status or if it chooses voluntarily to convert to for-profit status, the nonprofit is as it retires or is dissolved, is required to pay out to other charitable purpose the value of its assets, which raises the question of what's the valuation of OpenAI, the nonprofit? That's not calculable from the outside. Um, we don't know what share OpenAI, the nonprofit, owns of OpenAI, the for-profit. 
they've got a controlling interest, but it's almost for sure a very tiny share percentage. So it's an interesting uh, exercise to figure out how you'd even think about this. Um, we offer some views on that in our letter, but at the end of the day, I think OpenAI, the nonprofit, is worth billions of dollars at minimum. If it were dissolved or if it chooses to convert to for a profit, it would have to put billions of dollars into some new charitable, probably foundation, to advance its purposes. A historic precedent for this is when Blue Crosses, at the time nonprofit health insurers, converted into for profit enterprises. California Blue Cross converted into what's now Anthem. Um, they tried to put a small amount of money into a nonprofit purpose. The California Attorney General intervened and they ultimately paid out about $3 billion into ongoing significant health charitable foundations in California. That's a good model for what might happen here. Tell me a little bit about what you hope that the Attorney General will do next. And they've received this letter, let's just say, Attorney General Bonta says, great public citizen, love this thinking, we're going to move ahead right now. Is there a, an event that would have to occur, this event of dissolution, in order to kick off some activity by the Attorney General? Or is there something that you think he can do now? No, he just needs to make the decision to investigate. There's information in the public domain. The information that we have, including the reporting about what happened during the Altman hire, firing and rehiring, tells a strong story that the for-profit interests have taken control. But there are things that we don't know. We don't really know what the new structure is as it was evolved or adjusted in the course of the tumult. We don't know exactly what the authority is of the nonprofit board. We don't know if new nonprofit board members are coming on, as was promised. A lot of things that have remained murky. So the attorney general needs to investigate that and reach a conclusion based on the investigation. If his office decides, yeah, this appears no longer to be serving nonprofit purpose, then he would act to, to dissolve the company. How does this effort uh, around OpenAI fit into your overall efforts to sort of hold uh, tech companies to account. Are there particular concerns you have here specifically about open AI, just given this very uh, peculiar structure that generalized to your concerns about AI more generally? In a way, no, because this is such an unusual structure. It's an unusual history for how open AI developed, you know, started really with a, a genuine nonprofit orientation he's evolved into to what it is now. That's a very specific. But I do think what this issue highlights is like who's going to control the way this technology unfolds? Who's going to establish the rules by which AI can be released into the world? And if you've got a nonprofit, which was the original vision of OpenAI, driving those decisions, it's not enough to say we don't need the government in charge. But it does suggest a particular orientation, and it was an orientation, a strong belief in the affirmative value of what AI could offer to the world, but also simultaneous real fear about the risks and a real sense about needing to be cautious and reflective and investing in, in safety and ethics. When you switch to a for-profit orientation, you may still care in your heart about safety and ethics, but you're really saying at the end of the day, what you care about most is making money. And that's going to lead you to make different kinds of decisions. So there's a way in which, although 
we're dealing with a very specific and weird corporate structure. And that's sort of the predicate for our letter to the attorney, to the California attorney general. The issue at play is really who's going to control this technology and how are decisions going to be made? And I, what we fear is if these decisions rest primarily and at the end of the day with gigantic for-profit corporations, we're in a whole world of trouble. If there's some public control over how the technology evolves, how it can be deployed, establishing protection and guardrails, maybe it can deliver on some of what its advocates promised that it will. There's been a lot of discussion on Capitol Hill about how to regulate artificial intelligence. Uh, of course, Senator uh, Schumer just led a series of AI insight forums uh, over the course of the fall. I noted that when he was asked about Sam Altman's uh, firing and then return, he was essentially quite pleased to see that Sam had been returned. He sort of seemed to say that everyone uh, in the world of AI or AI policy was breathing a sigh of relief that Altman was back in place. I also note how generally chummy most lawmakers appear to be with Brad Smith of Microsoft, who's testified recently around artificial intelligence. These companies are on Capitol Hill. They're engaging with lawmakers every day. We know they're spending enormous sums on lobbying. And when they're in front of lawmakers, they're generally greeted as sort of heroes or perhaps holders of the key to American competitiveness. I don't know. How do you sort of compete against all of that effort and the moneyed interests that are behind it? That's what we do every day. So we're used to that, whether it's the tech companies or the drug companies or big oil or whoever. We're used to that dynamic. Each issue is specific and has its own peculiarities, and this certainly does. And I do think in the case of, of regulating AI or developing an AI policy, it's pretty difficult to do it without being in conversation with industry because there's just, there's not enough independent information. There's just not enough external understanding of what's going on. It's also the case, and this is unusual, I think, there are a lot of people who have sort of joint appointments between universities and these companies. And so some of the critics and really thoughtful people actually are affiliated with the companies. That, that doesn't happen that I can think of in any other industry. So it's a little bit messier. I don't begrudge anybody talking to on Capitol Hill or policymaking circles, talking to OpenAI, Microsoft, Google, or whoever, but I don't want them relying on them. And I don't want them the only ones in the room. I think there's a spectrum. Some of these companies are, are being more cautious than others. Some are more open to external regulation than others. But the for-profit world is the for-profit world. And, and there's a way in which, this is very clear at this point, Google particularly, Facebook to some extent, and Microsoft to some extent, were holding back on the release of generative AI and high-level chat programs because they didn't feel they were developed enough. They didn't feel they were safe enough. They were worried about the hallucination slash lying problem. But once OpenAI launched ChatGPT, they felt competitive pressure that they couldn't wait. So much so that even the New York Times just did an end of the year review of what happened in the world of, of AI in 2023 and points out that as Microsoft was about to make a major announcement about how it was partnering with OpenAI and integrating 
ChatGPT and some of its pro, uh, some of its tools, Google felt the rush to to get out the day before, like literally the day before. Sort of childish, but that's what business does and business needs. And the years of sort of caution and reflection, holding back, gave way immediately once ChatGPT had entered the market. That's an important story in its own right, and it's also an important reminder for everything going forward. And we, no matter how well intentioned any of them are, the corporate systems structured, designed, incentivized in ways that do not reward caution and consideration of the public interest. It's become trite now. The old Facebook model, move fast and break things. That's, in a way, that was a specific Facebook idea. But one could also just say that's what corporations do. And when you have this technology, with all of its uncertainties and, and potential severe risks, that's not okay, because the thing you're breaking might be humanity. I noticed that you talked to Gary Marcus, who's also appeared on this podcast before, of course, the uh, you know, NYU professor and cognitive scientist, entrepreneur, who's done a lot around AI. He seemed excited about the idea that maybe this dissolution might occur and there might be some nonprofit, essentially the beneficiary of distribution worth billions of dollars. Any ideas as to what that nonprofit should get up to if, in fact, all of this were to come to pass? I do think that what happened with Blue Cross is a, is a good model. If you really had billions of dollars, that's a lot of money. So put it into a foundation. It's in the business not of making pursuing a single program, but supporting a wide range of activities and, and artificial intelligence safety and ethics. Maybe you would want to support some AI development in, on its, in its own right, of maybe pursuing a different kind of path. That's a little less where I would be inclined to go, but that would be reasonable. You'd be basically trying to carry forward the, the mission, the nonprofit stated mission of open AI in this uh, subsequent entity. I think that I, the idea of having a foundation which could support a lot of different activities is, is a pretty good model. So perhaps returning open AI to its original purpose to in fact be open and to research on artificial intelligence in the public interest. We'll see what comes of it. Any response yet from the attorney general? No, and we'll see what happens. I think a lot of times when you ask enforcement agencies to take action, you ask and then you hope that it happens and you don't expect to hear because for, for good reasons, enforcement agencies generally don't talk publicly about what they're doing until they've done it. So we'll see. Well, for listeners who might like to read the specifics of Public Citizen's argument, the letter, of course, will be linked in the show notes. And Robert Weissman, I thank you so much for speaking to me today. Great to be with you. Thanks. That's it for this episode. I hope you'll send your feedback. You could write to me at justin at techpolicy.press. Thanks to my co-founder, Brian Jones, and thank you for listening. Tech Policy Press.